All right, well, hey, welcome to Centerpoint Church. If you're new with us today, my name's John. I'm lead pastor here, and I'm glad that you joined us. This is the first week of a series called Encounters, and I've been looking forward to this one for quite some time. It's something I feel passionate about, and I also wanted you to know today that um, in honor of Tom Brady's fifth Super Bowl, I am going to deflate my sermon by five minutes. But I might be lying about that, you know. <laughs> anyway, I want you to know that this is a series that, I'm sorry, I'm from New England. I love those guys too. It's just that, you know what, I, I'm rooting for the underdog this year. Just, I mean, come on, 10 Super Bowls is about enough. We've got a local team. So, All right, so this series, Encounters, it's, it's really about the fact that when you read through the scriptures, I mean, there's lots of different kinds of things you come across when you read the Bible. Like you can read the book of Proverbs and you just find dose after dose of sheer straight wisdom, right? Or you read through the Psalms and you find heart cries of, of prayer you know, to God you know, coming from the gut. But one of the things I love when I read the Bible is when I come across these moments that really can only be called moments of encounter where somebody is coming into a, a direct face-to-face -face moment with God. And I love the different kinds of encounters that are throughout the scripture. And there's lots of different kinds of encounters. And you know, there's, there's deliverance encounters where someone's getting set free. There's healing encounters. There are wisdom encounters. There are rebuke encounters. There are destiny, life correction encounters. There's all kinds of encounters. And so we're going to take some time over these uh, five or six weeks to dive into some of the encounters that are there in the scriptures. And today, we are going to turn to Acts chapter 9. And as we go through this series, what I'm hoping is that by taking in lots of different examples in scriptures of what encounters with God are like, uh, it could, in a way, prime the pump inside of us for ways in which maybe we could experience or be a part of an encounter with God. And so today we're turning to Acts chapter 9, and if you haven't read the book of Acts recently, it's the book in the New Testament that tells the story of how the Jesus movement began to spread out of Jerusalem and into the whole known Western world. And uh, there's one guy who, whose name is dominant throughout the book of Acts, and that's the Apostle Paul. But the thing is, he wasn't always known as the Apostle Paul. In fact, he was first known as Saul, Saul the Christian killer. I mean, that was kind of what he was known for. That's his name. And until the moment that we're about to read today, that was his mission in life, was to do what he could to extinguish the Christian movement, to stop the growth of the church of Jesus, and, and uh, to really put in jail or even put to death the followers of the way, which is what the Christian movement was being called and so we're going to jump into the book of Acts and check out Saul, the Christian killer, before he becomes the Apostle Paul. So hopefully you've turned in your scriptures to uh, Acts chapter 9, and we'll jump right in, in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. So it says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. And he wanted to bring them both, men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, 
I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And the men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground but when he opened his eyes he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. You know, this is obviously a powerful moment of encounter between this guy, Saul, that we later come to know as Paul, and the living God. But you know what strikes me is that, that Saul was a person who probably had no thought of wanting or needing an encounter with God. You know, he, he was probably thinking, I'm good with God. I know my religion inside and out. I am a Pharisee of Pharisees. I've been trained by the best, and I know the law of God. I know Bible verses. I've got this thing. But he was an enemy of God. He had become an enemy of God by virtue of this simple fact, that he was attempting to put out the fire of God. He was attempting to stop the move of God. He was on his way to kill Christians. He thought he was serving God, but he was actually becoming an enemy of God. I wonder if maybe some of us are a little bit like Saul today. And you know what? Maybe it's not so severe that we're on our way to try to kill Christians somewhere. But I wonder if maybe, like Saul, there's something about what's going on in our lives that is just as likely to put out the move of God. The choices that we're making in the secret moments and the, the posture of our heart towards the church or towards God, you know, that may be putting out the fire of God or stopping the move of God. And maybe we need an encounter with God just as much as Saul did. And Saul didn't know he needed an encounter. Maybe we don't know how bad we need an encounter with God, but we need one. An encounter with God can change our lives. What I love about this encounter with God is that God gets a hold of Saul and turns his life in a brand new direction. And you know what? The upshot of this whole series is this idea that when there really is a holy encounter with God, there is a life redirection that ends up happening. And so this is the main idea of the message I wanted to bring today, is that we, we would expect it, that we'd expect a redirect when we have a holy encounter. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that thought down, and if you leave with one thought today, I hope that it would be this, an expectation, that you would expect a redirect when you have a holy encounter. Expect a redirect when you have a holy encounter. You know, sometimes we might think about an idea of an encounter with God as a moment where Maybe we'd be able to have uh, a bunch of you know, emotional feels, you know, where we'd get some spiritual goosebumps, and that would be that. But I want to just suggest to you today that a real encounter with God is much more than a, an, an emotional moment with some spiritual goosebumps. It's what we just read. It's a moment where God gets a hold of your life and takes you out of the place where you're stuck and the garbage that you've gotten way too used to and turns you in a new direction and takes you into what he's really purposed for your life. That's what an encounter is meant to be about. So expect it. Expect a redirect when you have a holy encounter. So we just read through this encounter of Saul. We did it pretty quickly, but there's a lot of aspects of what an encounter with God can be like that we read through really quickly. And I want us to take some time to, to unpack that and, and 
really dig into the details. And what I find is I find that there are 10 aspects of an encounter with God. So I want us to dive into those 10 aspects of, of this particular encounter with God. And I don't want anyone to fall asleep and shut down right now just because you heard me say, oh, it's going to be 10 things. And you went, oh, <laughs> wake me up when we get to number nine. You know? No, this is the word of God. And there's a richness here I want you to be able to take in. T 10 elements of this encounter. And the first one that I notice is that there's a light that flashed all around Saul. I don't know about you, but I love that. There's a, a light that shone around, or in the other translation, flashed around Saul. And when there's an encounter with God, sometimes it includes a visual element like this. Something of a vision or a visual element in the supernatural realm that is mind-blowing. I mean, he had this flashing light going around him. The second thing I noticed, number two, is that he fell on the ground when the presence of God came. And this wasn't a nice, calm, measured, religious kind of, and now I will humbly bow before the presence of God. It wasn't. It was just a falling down uncontrollably because of the sense of the, the weight of the glory of God in this moment. And you better believe that throughout the scriptures, that's pretty common. When the glory of God comes, there's something about how grand and amazing and awesome God is that makes a person just go, you know, lose the strength in their legs, and he fell down. The third thing I notice is the voice of God comes, and this is a feature of, of encounters. It's part of this one, the voice of God comes. Sometimes the voice of God comes like it did for Paul, or known here as Saul, where it's an audible voice. Sometimes the voice of God comes through the whisper or, or the impression as he speaks directly to our spirit, but the voice of God revealing his purpose and his plan. This encounter, number four, what I observe is that it's personal. It's not generic. Did you catch what happened in this encounter? God speaks and says, Saul, Saul, why? <laughs> it's personal. It's not this bland blanket coverall kind of thing. It's something deeply personal right to him. And so often encounters with God get real personal. And he calls him on his stuff. He says, what are you doing? Why are you doing what you're doing right now? Do you understand that that's part of an encounter with God that some of us desperately need? We need to hear God say to us, why are you doing what you're doing right now? It's not good. It's not what I have for you. Why? Why are you doing this? It's personal. And there is number five, a truth revelation. A truth revelation. Saul says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus. This encounter and real encounters generally yield a, a truth revelation about who Jesus really is. And where we've settled for some syrupy kind of a surface level idea about who Jesus is, I believe through encounters, God wants to take us to a deeper place where we really know him for who he really is as the savior of the world, to know him for who he really is as the Lord of lords and the king of kings and the prince of the peace that we long for. He says, I'm Jesus. It's a truth revelation. Number six, there's a call to action. This encounter includes a call to action. And we said it all together at the beginning of this message, but God, in the voice of Jesus, speaks to Saul and says, now get up and go to this city. And you'll be told what you must do. There's a call to action. And so often, encounters include this. God speaking to us in such a way that we're going to end up needing to respond with some obedience. 
I mean, if it's a real encounter, it's likely to take us there to a place where God says, I am redirecting you. I want something new for you. And it says, go to the city, and then you will be told what you must do. As in, there's more than just this, but I want to see some obedience first. Did you catch that? I believe that all of the more that we would long for is requiring a step of obedience and a demonstration of our trust in our God as we walk in faith. And number seven, this is interesting. This, ex- this experience, this encounter was not experienced the same way by everybody who was present. There was a whole bunch of people that were there, but they didn't all see what happened the same way. And encounters can sometimes be like that. In fact, this encounter, it, it's retold in Acts chapter 22, and there it gives sp- specific clarity about the fact that the other people that were there heard this sound, but they did not understand the words. And so encounters can sometimes be like that, where, where other people around you, maybe they just don't quite get it, you know? And yet, your encounter brought something from God to you. And number eight, there was a physical effect. The physical effect for Saul was that he ended up blind for three days. Apparently, they didn't have the song Amazing Grace, and nobody knew that I was blind, but now... I'm still blind for three more days. Like, they didn't know. There's a different ending of the song or something. I don't know. There's a physical effect, and encounters are sometimes like that. Think about Jacob in the Old Testament, encounter with God, and he ends up limping for the rest of his life, physically affected by that encounter with God because it was so powerful. Think about Moses, his time of encounter with God left a physical effect that caused him to be glowing, radiating in front of people. And here, Saul is affected physically to the point that he's blind for three days. And number nine, encounters with God are sometimes overwhelming. This one was. Saul was so overwhelmed by this encounter with God that he couldn't even eat for three days. Have you ever had a moment in your life where whatever just happened, it just hit you so deeply that you just lost your appetite and you just couldn't even eat, and, and you maybe even lost weight as a result. Well, this was that on steroids. He just couldn't even eat three days straight. And number 10, and I think this is maybe the most important one, is that there was a destiny redirection in this encounter. It wasn't just about, there, there, I want you to just feel a little better, Solly boy. It was, I want to turn your life in a new direction that you never could have even imagined before. I have something deeper for you and more for you, but you've got to walk into it, son. And so this encounter leads to this destiny redirection, and I I read through this moment of encounter, and I see all the richness of what can happen in a moment of encounter, and I'm grateful, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that God is able to work that way in a person's life, but it's about the redirection at the very core, and that's why my message to you today is expect a redirect when you have a holy encounter. Expect a redirect. Expect that God might look at some things in my life and yours and go, that's not really what I want. (laughs) Let's go. Expect that God might look at some of the stuff that we're giving ourselves to and he says, yeah, but actually now get up and it's time for something else. Expect a redirect when you have a holy encounter. I want to zero in on verse five and six for a moment. There's something about this that I got to bring to you. It says in Acts 9, verse 5, Saul talks back to God and says, who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And I want you to read verse 6 out loud with me, nice and strong. Ready? Go. Say it. 
Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. There's something about those three words that I can't shake. As I've been thinking about this message, I felt as though that those three words contain the message within the message for somebody today. That you need to hear this. It's as though God wants you to hear those three words in a very personal way. Now get up. Now get up. You've gotten very used to this particular way of doing things that is so far from what I've ever wanted for you. Now get up and walk towards me. It's like as though God wants to say to somebody today, I know how bad it hurt when that business went bankrupt and it feels like a dream fell apart. But you're wallowing now. Now get up and believe me and trust in me for something new. It's like as though God is saying, I know how bad it hurt when they let you go. You, you feel empty and defeated right now. But if you just lie on your back, you're going to miss what I have for you. Now get up and follow me into what I have for you. It's like as though God is looking at somebody right now and saying, I get it. I get it. The way they treated you has left you feeling wounded and bitter. But if you stay in the pit of that woundedness and bitterness, you're going to miss all the goodness of my heart for you. Now get up and follow me into the future full of faith. Somebody shout, now get up. Now get up. That is the message within the message. And be, it's because moments of encounter are characterized by God speaking to us in such a way that we are redirected in our lives. In a sense, we hear God saying to us, now you get up and go. Watch and walk into what I have for you. Now get up. You know, I was coming to this message today and I was thinking, you know what, it would be really nice if I could just share with you a four-step formula for how to have an encounter with God. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. Because we can't. We can't fabricate an encounter with God. You can't force an encounter with God. You can't make one up. If you notice, Saul was happy to be on his way to do what he thought was right for him to do. And it was God who initiated this holy encounter. We can't make them happen. We can't fabricate it. But we can posture our heart with greater receptivity so that it might be more likely that an encounter with God can take place. And I think it's worth considering how we can do that. I think about this. You know, in my own life, I've had a good number of wonderful encounters with God. But none of them happened when I was watching the third episode of the fifth season of whatever on Netflix. The holy encounters with God that I've had have never happened when I was numbing my mind with another hour of social media. It just didn't ever work that way. In fact, the more I choose and opt for those kinds of rhythms of life's life, the less I find it likely that I'm going to experience the encounter with God. It is important that all of us recognize this, that the principle in the word of God regarding encounters is what God has said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And so that's the invitation. What are, what are the ways that you and I can draw near to God? It becomes important for me to recognize that I need to spend some time taking in what God says in his word. And if that means I need to lose some sleep and get up a little earlier or stay up a little later, then let me do it. And let me take it in. And not so I can check the box and get the green check box on the plan. You know? But let me take it in, meditate on it. And as I read the word of God, make sure that I also have time to, to set the scriptures down for a minute and just look up and just think and say, God, what do you have to say to me through all of this? 
and then just breathe, and then just linger in his presence for a minute. That's part of what it takes to draw near, to posture your heart with receptivity. Sometimes it has helped for me also to, to bring myself to, to times and places where there's other people gathering together with a heart that's hungry for the presence of God. Like that's another way to posture my heart in receptivity. About three and a half years ago, I went to a conference that was being hosted by a guy named Randy Clark. And this was a conference called the Randy Clark School of Healing and Impartation. And it was three and a half years ago. I went to this thing and you know, about 3,000 people are there and Lots of people, hearts full of faith and eager to seek God, you know. And I remember being at this one session, and Randy Clark said, at the end of this time, I want to pray for some of you, that God would touch your life and fill you up with power from on high to, to do this ministry of healing. And I'm, I'm just sitting there the whole time going, I want that. I want to be, I want that. <laughs> I want to be used by God in this way. And it got to the end of the session, and, and you know, there's you know, 3,000 people or so in this place. And he said, okay, if you want to be prayed for right now to receive just a touch from God, an impartation of his goodness to carry this kind of ministry, I want you to come up to the front. And I could not restrain myself. I jumped up out of my seat and ran right down there to the front. So it's, I'm standing right there in the middle. It's a tall platform, and he's standing right here, and he's kind of looking at me. And then he said, and he said, anyone else who wants to come down to the front? I'm like, I'm right. Anyway, I think he just wanted some more people to be you know, part of the moment. After a while, there was about 15 of us that were standing down here at the front. And he's just looking at each one of us, and he's about to pray or whatever. And, and then uh, maybe it's because I got there first, but he started with me, and he said, You, I believe God wants to do a mighty work in your life and through your life. And then he said, Reach out your hands so that I can, I can pray for you. And I, I, mean, I reached my hands out like this, and then it, I reached my hands out. And then he reached his hand out and started to pray as he was reaching his hand. But as soon as his hand touched my hand, it was like as though in that moment I was struck by lightning. That's literally what it felt like. I fell on the floor, and not a pretty measured, oh, now I will bow. <laughs> no, it was a collapsing on the floor in a um, brutal kind of way, right? And, and I... I, I felt like my body was electrified, is all I can describe it as. And I was on the ground just shaking, shaking. And it was not something I was choosing or I could even control. My body was just overcome. And I distinctly was aware that the presence of God was hovering over me, touching me. And it left me shaking, like every fiber of my being, aware of the nearness of God and in that moment, God spoke to me and said, I've made you for revival and healing and supernatural ministry in the power of my spirit. And I've always wanted these things for my church. It was his word to me in that moment. And I'm on the ground shaking. And I'll just tell you what. I've waited three and a half years. I have not shared about that because it sounds embarrassing. I mean, to me, I mean, some of you, you're like, oh, that's great. When did you start rolling around? <laughs> Others of us are like, oh, my gosh, this is really bizarre. It was really bizarre. I, it, was, it was like if somebody had a cell phone video, I would be embarrassed if they would show it. You know, it was one of those. But it was not something I could stop from happening. And after a, a bit, I got up and, and, and I went back to my seat and I talked to the people that were with me. And I said, oh, that was the craziest five minutes of my life. And they said, no, 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 no. You, you were over there for an hour and 10 minutes, at least. You know, I had no idea, you know. But it was this moment that 
was an encounter with God, but it included a redirect. I came back here, and, you know, up until that point, I've always believed in the ministry of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I would be, I would have been what I might have said at that time, a closet charismatic, you know, where it's like, yeah, of course I do, but let's just kind of, we can just, you know, <laughs> but I came back from that time knowing unmistakably what God had spoken to me, and since that time, we as a church, we have just been concerted in, in making sure we make room for the Lord God Almighty to do what he would want to do, even if that means we're going to change our plan and we're going to make some time to just let a prophetic word come or a time of praying for healing come because this is what God redirected me about. <laughs> and, and that encounter led to a redirect. And this is what we can expect. Expect a redirect when you have a holy encounter. Or Try to ignore holy encounters and just try to just go on about your life as usual and let the status quo be the status quo until you breathe your last and you'll enter into heaven and you'll be like, why did I let myself miss so much of the kingdom? And, and, and so I'm, I'm praying that during this, this series, our eyes would be opened. I'm also praying that this week, during Seek Week, that our eyes would be open. So Seek Week, uh, there's a card on your chair that's not uh, chair decoration. That's something for you to take with you so that you remember, oh, yeah, we're doing something all week as a church. And I don't want you to think about it as an event that we happen to be doing five nights in a row. It's a, a spiritual journey for all of us to take together, to take this whole entire week to seek God, to fast and pray, starting today from 4 p.m., for those who are not football fans, obviously, uh, we'll do a 24-hour time of prayer, and, uh, and for those holy ones that are willing to sacrifice your passion of football to come and pray, you can do that. Uh, but then tomorrow night, Monday, and then all the rest of this week at 6.30 p.m. And, until 8.30 or 9, we'll gather here, and we'll seek God together. And yep, we've got a lineup of a variety of, uh, of people coming in to, to bring a a time of ministry, a word from God. Um, Tuesday night, I've got Charles Latchison coming. He's uh, my superintendent, my overseer. He's a friend and brings a powerful anointing to ignite prayer. I'm, I'm grateful to hear from my superintendent, my overseer. And then Wednesday, we've got Sam Lopez coming. He's the lead teaching pastor at Hillsong LA. I'm looking forward to him being with us. It's going to be fun. Thursday night, uh, Brian Worth will be here. Brian is a guy who... Um, uh, was in prison for a life sentence for murder, and is not anymore, <laughs> but just ministers in the power and joy of God in a wonderful way. And Friday night, Chris Cruz will be here. He's the young adults pastor at Bethel Church, a friend, and I'm eager to see what God is going to do this week. You can take their pictures down now, but we, we're going to seek God together, and it's not really about these, I just wanted you to know I'm excited that some friends are coming to bring a good word, but more importantly, would you come with a heart to seek the presence of the living God for what he might want to do in your life? It's what we're, we're made for is that, that time of encounter. I want to take you back to Saul right now. And so Saul is on the ground. God says to him, now get up, go to the city. And then, and then as, as Saul is having his encounter, there's another guy who's also having a powerful encounter with God. God has a way of doing this, working in one person's life in such a way that he's working in another person's life and the paths cross to accomplish something miraculous. And so let's, let's go there. And so in Acts chapter 9, in verse 10, it says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, 
go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. And he laid his hands on him. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. And then he got up and he was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. You know, it's one thing for me to say calmly, oh, expect a redirect when you have a holy encounter. It's another thing to live through one when you're a guy like Ananias. I mean, it's easy to read through that and go, oh, that's nice. But imagine if you're Ananias and you live in that place and you know all about Saul. You know what he does. He kills Christians. He sees them get stoned to death and smiles and nods and says, that's right. You know, and, and to hear God say, yeah, yeah, I want you to go and lay hands on him. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Sometimes, though, God has a way of dealing with us in a moment of encounter that calls us to face our fears and move forward in faith anyway. See, see Ananias had heard things in the natural that had the capacity to keep him from his greatest experience of the supernatural. I want you to take note of that. Because it's the same for us. We have the ability to hear things in the natural that could have a capacity to keep us from our greatest experience of the supernatural. Oh, I don't know about that. Did you hear him talk about Randy Clark? I read on a Google later one time that he's a heretic. <laughs> you know, somebody already did right in this service. You Googled Randy Clark, and the first thing that popped up was, oh, he's a cult leader or something. And you made, made you suspect of what I just shared with you. Now I just basically asked you to Google it. <laughs> but you may come across something in the natural that then will, will be a barrier for your greatest experience of the supernatural. That's what happened for Ananias. And yet God wanted to do something in him. And encounters are always about what God wants to do in you to change your heart, to change your perception to move you out of your cynicism and skepticism and into a greater place of trust and faith. But, but encounters are not only about what God wants to do in you. So often encounters with God are about what God wants to do through you. And there's such a powerful impact that comes through this moment of encounter. I mean, look at the impact. Go, go back to verse 17 for a moment. And, and this is what we find. It says, Ananias went and found Saul and he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What an impact. 
His moment of encounter led to this actually happening. First of all, there is a declaration of new identity spoken over somebody else. When he said those two words, it might have been the hardest two words he could even utter, brother Saul, can you imagine you're Ananias and you are prompted by God to say that about this guy? Bro brother Saul. But he declares a new identity over this man so that we would know him as the Apostle Paul. And we're here basically today because there was an Apostle Paul, but that only happened because there was an encounter with God with Ananias that left Ananias charged by heaven to call him Brother Saul. There's an identity declaration. Then there's this supernatural healing that takes place. He reaches his hands out, touches him, and he's healed from his blindness. Sometimes your encounter is to equip and empower you to bring God's goodness and blessing to someone else who desperately needs it. The encounter leads to an entirely new destiny for Paul. I mean, that's the upshot of the whole story. He becomes not Saul the Christian killer, but Paul the Christian preacher. Oh, man, it's an amazing moment. And I'm, and I'm grateful for it. But I want to not too quickly gloss over this element of what we just read. God has sent me, he said, so that you might regain your sight and read the last part of the verse out loud with me. Ready? Go. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias, representing the heart of God, was coming to a man who had come to know Jesus, which is great. It's life-changing to come to know Jesus. And when anyone comes to know Jesus, they have the seal of the Holy Spirit on them. But that's different from being filled with the Holy Spirit. And God was not content for Saul just to know Jesus. He wanted him to also be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is something I hope you would underline. It's a moment that every believer in Jesus must have an encounter where, where we also can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only living with the seal of the Spirit, but filled with the Spirit. It's something God wants for those who know Jesus, that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm praying that this week during Seek Week, there would be a bunch of us that would step forward in our faith in knowing Jesus to a place where it could only be described as being filled with the Spirit, not just kind of having a just enough to get by kind of an amount of the Spirit, but brimming over, bubbling up and running over the top, filled with the Spirit. I believe it's what God wants, and so we're going to pray for that all week. <laughs> let, me, let me just conclude with this. I, I think for some of us, though, what we really need is we need our own coming to know Jesus moment, first and foremost. And it's important that we would have that moment because without a moment of coming to know Jesus, we're left with nothing but our sin and our shame and our guilt and our desperate attempts to try to pay for it by whatever good deeds we could try to do or whatever. And, and it's tiresome. It wears a person out and it never works. And, and I'm praying that for someone that today would be the day that you come to know Jesus. Kind of, maybe it won't be as dramatic as what happened for Saul where you're on the ground and the light's flashing, but... Come to know him anyway. You know, I was talking to a friend about the Super Bowl, and he said, yeah, did you know, though, that it's the, you know, it's the Rams and the Patriots, but it wasn't even supposed to be the Patriots. It was supposed to be the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. 
No, no fans? No fans? Okay. So, so the, the detail behind that was that this guy, a few, you know, a, a few games back in the playoffs, this guy D. Ford was offsides by six inches in, in this game, at the end of the game. Six inches offsides. He had just lined up wrong by six inches. But the ref called it, and the Kansas City Chiefs lost the game, and thus the Patriots are in the Super Bowl for a tenth time, right? It was supposed to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, you can stop clapping. It's, they've gotten enough claps. Oh, man. But, but, but this one guy, just, he just lined up wrong. He was offsides. And this is what I wanted to say, that if you have never put your trust in Jesus Christ to ask him for forgiveness of your sins, you're lining up wrong and you're offsides. And it might even only be by six inches because you're just such a good person, but you're still offsides. And, and it's, it's time to ask Jesus to forgive you and save you. I'm praying that you would do that and I'm praying you'd do it right now so that you could receive his gift of forgiveness and salvation. There's nothing better. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. God, I pray right now that you would meet us in this moment and that you do some spiritual awakening for some of us.